Hello and welcome back to What's New with Mead. I'm your host, Man Made Mead. Today we're on episode number 15 and uh, I'm doing something a little different. I normally have a topic. Um, today I'm going to be going through the Reddit. So there's a large uh, video element to this. If you want to see the video version of this, um, go check out youtube.com and find man-made mead extras and you'll see the video version of this if you're just listening to the audio. So I'm gonna be scrolling through the Reddit, mead r slash mead Reddit and discussing some things I see on here as, um, because I think it's interesting and I learn a lot from it and I think you would too. It's a definitely a great resource for mead making. So go check it out if you're interested. Of course I'm drinking some stuff. Uh, I'm not even gonna dive into it. It's a Chaucer's mead that I just did a mead review of on this, on this channel. So uh, I don't know when that will be out, but it'll be out at some point. So let's go ahead and, um, well, I'll tell you a little about it. It's a sparkling mead. Normally Chaucer's makes a, um, I guess traditional mead. And it's one of the big tall bottles that you see in a lot of these uh, liquor stores. Anyways, my opinion is not very good. I saw this bottle in my local liquor store and thought, why not try it? It's really not too bad. It's ginger and orange. It's very, um, the ginger is very, very prominent. The orange is there too. Uh, I do wish that it had a little more honey character. But I'm not here to dive too deep into that. I just want to dive into some Reddit things. So first things, I'm just going to scroll down the Reddit. And when something hits me, I will gladly stop um, and answer some things. So the first thing I'm looking at is first time sizer questions, stupid high ABV. Oh, there it is. Okay. He says he made a cider or sizer, excuse me, that went to 1.160. Whenever you're making a mead, um, you can make a high gravity mead and it'd be just fine. That's pretty normal actually. The thing to know about a high gravity mead is that high gravity meads have needs as um, I'll say. So if you're gonna do that, you need to be supplying it with enough nutrient, whether that's uh, dimonium phosphate or DAP or Fermade O, Fermade K, something like that to help it out. A lot of people are anti-nutrients, um, uh, and I think that is okay if you're doing something that's a manageable uh, ABV. Stuff that gets to 1.160 is sitting up at 18, 19, 20%. That's not quite manageable. I mean, it is by some yeast, but it's not, uh, it's not normally something you just let go. There are lots of yeasts that get up to one point, uh, or to get up to 18%. However, in this case, I would highly recommend using some nutrients. So he is making the sizer. I actually just started a sizer today. I make my man-made sizer, as I call it, and I normally do, in let's say a six gallon batch, I have um, four gallons of apple juice, about a gallon and a half, maybe a gallon and three quarter of water, and then three to four pounds of honey. That gets me up to like 1.050. So I don't really push the bounds of that. I think that too boozy of a sizer is just so in your face. Like why on earth do you want something that is 18, 19, 20%? Even for somebody who's like a heavyweight, an 18% is still very heavy. 
And while it's nice to like just have one bottle walk away and not have to drink anything else, it's also like, are you enjoying it? Are you able to get the, the true characteristics out of an 18, 19, 20% mead? Maybe. The other problem with those is they, uh, they take forever to age. Holy cow. If you're making something that that's with that high of a gravity, you're probably having to age it for a long time. So uh, I'm gonna keep scrolling. Um, this guy says, finished my first batch, smells very, quote, bready and somewhat alcoholic. Is that a good sign? Uh, if you've ever made mead, you might have noted that same thing. A young mead, because the yeast are still in, within the mead, will um, smell and taste bready. And that's because yeast have a natural bready smell, taste to them. And then um, somewhat alcoholic, yeah, you have an alcohol burn because alcohol does burn and gets smoother over time. That's kind of why a lot of people are... Uh, I'll say a lot of people, I think it's important that you age your meads for plenty of time because at the end of the day, if you're not aging your mead, you're not letting the characters meld. And most of the time, meads need the time for the character to meld, whatever you're doing, especially higher gravity stuff. So make sure you do that. Uh, so to answer that person, I know people are not necessarily asking me these things. I'm just looking through the Reddit because I think it's fun. This is my first brew ever. I think I added too much honey though. I would love to know how much honey they added. Also, I have been doing a bunch of mead related things today and my floor is very sticky because I um, was racking something over and was not paying attention and per usual just flooded the ground. So I, got, I have to mop after this, which would be interesting. Oh, this guy, that's not me. He says, this is my first brew ever. I think I added too much honey though. He put four pounds of honey in, which I hope that if you're listening to this and maybe by chance, if this is your Reddit question, please don't think that I'm shaming you by any means. I don't mean to, um, that's not my goal. I think everybody goes through this process of figuring out how to brew and has questions. In fact, I encourage it. If you are making a mead or beer or wine or cider and you have questions, just ask them. Don't be afraid to ask and be shamed into some like corner to say like, oh, you're an idiot for asking this question. That's silly. This community is really nice. And I think we're all here to help us help everybody get better at what we're doing and we can learn from one another. So he put four pounds of honey in, and that's definitely not too much. I have put four pounds of honey into plenty of things. In fact, my favorite boche, not, maybe not my favorite, favorite by um, amount of time aged is my original boche that I made, which is now three years old, that's essentially. It, or no, not three, maybe two and a half years old, um, had four pounds of honey in it. So it was mega sweet and pretty boozy, but time has helped it. Four pounds of honey only got me up to like, uh, for that one gallon, got me up to maybe 1.130, somewhere in that realm. And then I had residual sweetness. So it's a big, hefty mead. However, it, at the end of the day, it's not the end of the world. Our next Reddit question is um, from Ulfa Deer. I haven't been saying names so far. Sorry if I'm calling you out or not saying your name. 
He says, when and how should I add spices to my mead? I've been making a simple sack mead for years now. It's a little sweet, holds the taste of honey well, and a big hit among friends. I want to expand my mead making, and I am looking at making a simple spiced mead, hopefully for Christmas. My inclination is to add some nutmeg and vanilla to the mead. I haven't been nervous to do so, and I currently have about four, or four gallons or so of sack mead completed. It is finished fermenting, and I... I'd regularly bottle it. What would be the best way to add uh, the above mentioned spices? He says, one way I've heard of is an infusion, a number of vanilla beans cut and open, put and sealed, um, and filled the blah, 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 whatever, infusion. Uh, okay, his question is, how do you add spices to a mead? Which is a great question. Um, spices can be kind of difficult to use. In my experience, the best time to do them is, a, is in the secondary because it's the most controlled time. Unless you have a lot of experience with a specific spice and you know exactly how much to add, um, I would not be just throwing it into the primary. It is very, very hard to pull things out of a mead where you can always add things. So in the secondary, uh, I, I would add this into the secondary. I would take your sack mead, which for anyone wondering is a very sweet mead. I think it's funny he said, it's a little sweet. Um, it should be very sweet because sack meads are intended to be super sweet. They're kind of like a dessert mead in a way. Anyways, um, I would go ahead and take your sack mead and in that secondary, like he has here, I have found you can put your um, spices in by just throwing them on top and they'll impart into the mead uh, however much you wanna add in. However, I've been making little bags of spices of things in the past, of hops and uh, not necessarily cinnamon, st cinnamon sticks, but some other things. Um, and putting them, putting them into a tiny bag, putting like a marble or something inside so that that bag floats to the bottom and therefore hopefully imparts a little more flavor. So that's what I would do. I, if you're gonna make a mead with spices, uh, and you're not super comfortable with the ratios, go ahead and wait till the secondary. Add a little bit at a time, because remember, remember, you can always add more uh, spices later. You can always add more flavors later. You can't quite do it early. You know, you can't take things out. So um, his, uh, you know, him mentioning about doing a an infusion, and uh, essentially adding that infusion in could also be a good option. So, you know, I don't know. I, I would definitely try, ooh, this one seems interesting. Uh, I would definitely try putting it in secondary. Anyone make a, this is from 96 Fat Boy, which is an interesting name. Uh, Anyone make a capsimel using ancho, chipotle, and cocoa nibs? I'm uh, thinking about making a capsimel next. Anyone done a batch with nacho, chipotle, or cocoa nibs? Um, I think in my way. That could be really interesting. Um, making like a very rich but spicy kind of mead. Uh, I do think that that could work really well. I would try... Like maybe a chipotle pepper could be really good. I've used cocoa nibs a lot in meads. I have a um, vanilla bean and uh, cocoa. Well, yeah, I'll say a boche with cocoa nibs and vanilla bean in it. And I call it the okay boche. It's pretty good. Um, it adds some mouthfeel, adds some body 
to that mead in general, of course, adds some of the chocolatey taste that you want. If you were to contrast that with some sweetness slash a little heat, I think that could be really, really good. So maybe something, you don't even have to dip into the Boucher realm. You could just make a straight up uh, traditional mead, add your cocoa nibs in that secondary and add, um, well, I'll say this. I would do things in stages in this case. I would make a traditional mead. I would first want to try to instill the chocolate flavor. So I would add my cocoa nibs in, get them to a comfortable point where I feel like the, the chocolate flavor is strong enough and I'm content with that. Then I would add maybe, let's say he says ancho or, or chipotle, like pepper. Um, you could add your pepper in and in that not secondary, you're past the secondary at that point, in your post-secondary, and uh, taste test it regularly until you get to the point where you are comfortable with the, the taste of it. The um, trick to using or making a cap smell is the seeds. If you want to have a hotter, hotter mead that's less vegetably tasting, you're gonna to wanna to keep the seeds in. So whatever pepper you're using, jalapeno, chipotle, ancho, habanero, those seeds retain a lot of the heat and that's important to know. So if you're wanting to do that, make sure you use your heat, your, sorry, your seeds. And I will note that over time, heat can decay from a mead. And so if you are planning on long-term aging your mead, you can almost um, go a little bit hotter and then that should over time uh, cool down, so to speak. Heat does not get stronger over time from my, uh, from my understanding and from my experience. But that's, again, my experience. You can take it as you will. Um, that's what I've been through. Let's see, this guy says, um, second day or second full day into my first batch, so many bubbles. Question, how do I know if slash when to add nutrients or is the fruit sufficient for now? It looks like to me he's making a some sort of berry mead, maybe a blueberry, something along that lines. And uh, stuff floating at the top, looks like he's put raisins in. Anyways, um, he is asking, when do you add nutrients? There's a couple different ways you can add nutrients. You can, well, let's talk about the different nutrients you can add in general. There's stuff like dimonium phosphate. I think I'm saying that right. That's um, also called DAP. And uh, if you add that in, that's a, a sort of nutrient for yeast. And it kind of, if you follow the Tosna protocol, that gets into a whole, I'll have to make another uh, podcast about that, but that's a whole nother world. So um, there's DAP and then there's stuff like Fermade K, Fermade O, that is a little, uh, has some different roles. Fermade, I, I get them switched around, but I think Fermade K is stuff you put in before the fermentation with the yeast and Fermade O is what you put in the actual as, as yeast nutrient. Anyways, those are some options for yeast nutrients. Um, and you can put them all in the beginning, which is fine. I equate it to if you were to, you were to make a Thanksgiving feast and then you just eat leftovers for the next two weeks. Or you can do a staggered nutrient schedule, which is where you put in part of your um, 
your nutrients at day zero, two, four, six, and that's it. So you're quartering your nutrients, you're adding them at those days, and that step feeds the uh, brew. That's the better way to do it in my opinion. If you have the time and you have the ability to remember to do those things, then I would suggest a staggered nutrient schedule. However, I get lazy a lot of times and I'll just, ooh, I'll just go ahead and, um, uh, and put all my stuff in just at the, at the same time. I heard a little bitty crack and I think the, I use a jar for my, or a really big two gallon jar for um, holding my sanitized water. I think when I put my lid back on, I put it on too strong somehow, maybe, because I heard like a crack and there's like a leaking. Uh, there's a big old crack in it now. So I don't know. I think I just broke something. This podcast is going very well, if you can't tell. Let's see. Ooh, speaking of the feeling of finding big glass vessels. Oh, that's so sad. It's so very um, reminiscent of, of my struggles currently. So let's see. I'm going to go over now to... Um, oh, dragon fruit and peach lambic. Raspberry lambic dragon fruit. That sounds really interesting. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that right now. That thing looks incredible. Um, I don't know how you say that. Um, and I wish I knew what's in it. I would love to break into the mead cocktail side of life at some point. However, I uh, I just haven't gotten there. I can't see, so sad, I can't see the comments. I can't even see what this is. Mead cocktails are really interesting because you can find, um, there's just a lot, a lot going on with them in general and I would just love to break into that world. Um, ah, Texas sweet tea mead. Ah, looks pretty good. I've made some meads with teas before and uh, the two times, I've done it a couple more times actually. They all turn out okay. The one that I really think of is my experiment mead and it was, I used too many tea bags in the primary. It just didn't end up being too great. So a little bummed about that, but it was very, very, very spearminty, which is, um, you know, not great. Uh, here's one guy. He says, potential noob disasters from Friendly Brewer. He says, hi, I'll just put my put down my first batch of mead today and I'm already concerned. After about three hours of resting, I've noticed a formation of what to be small rods on the surface of the mead mixture. Anybody seen anything like this before? I presume it's some kind of uh, contamination. This, to me looks like, and for some reason, okay, now it's working, maybe. I can't look at, at any of the comments, which is frustrating. And this looks like to me a, um, to be just yeast. And I think when you first start your mead, there are a lot of things happening. The yeast you're trying to wake up, um, your mixture, whatever you've made, if you put extra things in, in general, the honey still might be mixing in. Uh, there's a lot happening within the first 24 hours. So you kind of have to let things go and don't really worry too much about what's happening. Of course, if something looks just terrifyingly gross, like, oh, something's turning green, or that doesn't seem right, yeah, maybe question. But if it's just, this looks like little, like yeast floated to the top, which is pretty simple. Stalled fermentation. Some of these are really long. I don't necessarily want to go through and read all of them. 
Ooh, this looks really nice. Uh, this guy has a really, really clear mead, which is not the end of the world. If you don't have a clear mead, it's not, not the end of the world. Don't freak out. But definitely, uh, I definitely like to... <laughs> oh my gosh, this one looks crazy. This guy, um, it's, it's Cafe Sissimo, or cat. it's, um, I guess he's making coffee, a, a coffee and Capsimel mead. So check out this. This is from uh, Ouroboros uh, Panacea. He says, I just started brewing my current batch of mead about three weeks ago. I picked it up 15 pounds, 15 pounds of locally sourced cranberry honey and I couldn't quite think of what I wanted to do with it. I know I wanted to make a mead, but I didn't know, I didn't want to make something plain. So I'm sitting thinking I eventually came up with the recipe. I'm sure it'll be fine in a bottle, whatever. 15 pounds of cranberry honey, 12 scorpion peppers, which are mega hot peppers from what I know, 12 ghost peppers, 12 Carolina Reaper peppers, five gallons of spring water, approximately three to four cups of distilled water, enough to cover the peppers during the boil, uh, one liter of cold brew, and one cup of raw cane sugar to start the yeast. Holy cow. Again, I can't see the comments. So just the recipes, the uh, recipe alone on that seems crazy. That's a lot of peppers. I don't, I've heard of people using peppers in their mead, but 12 scorpion peppers, 12 ghost and 12 Carolina reapers, all of which are extremely hot. Dude's going to make a friggin' firebomb for his mouth. Holy cow. If you're reading, if you're listening to this Orbers fantasy, I would love to know how that turns out at the end. I'm sure he'll put it on the Reddit. Um, so let's see, I'm going to go one more and then I'm going to call this good new guy. How do I, how the heck do I finish off and bottle my mead? Saw a bunch of forums and others saying you can use potassium sorbate, but if you do, if you do it, it produces an off flavor and have to, and you have to add sulfates. I don't know about that. That's not true. Can someone explain how to stop my fermentation? If you're looking to halt your fermentation, it's as simple as essentially taking whatever your brew is. Um, if you want to just go ahead and be done with the brew and not do anything extra, um, if it's done fermenting, you can bottle it. So let's say you started your brew in February, it went through the primary, it finished fermenting, it's uh, sat till, let's say, April. Um, you can probably at that point just go ahead and bottle it if you're not looking to back sweeten or anything. If you're looking to back sweeten, you need to add some potassium sorbate to stabilize or you need to cold crash, halt the yeast, let them drop to the bottom, rack, cold crash. You might be able to get away with that. Or you can uh, pasteurize by heating the meat up to about 140 uh, Fahrenheit for about 20 minutes. Caution, and I understand this, some people, I know this is true, Water evaporates in room temp, so of course water would evaporate in 140. Alcohol evaporates, I think later, quicker, one of the two. Anyways, um, alcohol will evaporate if you leave it in too long. So you'll lose maybe 1%, 2% of your ABV uh, if you pasteurize with an open container in a, um, in like, uh, any situation. If you keep the container closed and you pasteurize, you shouldn't have any issue with that. Getting up to 140, my only concern with that is I worry about a bottle 
blowing up if it's not able to handle the pressure. But most beer bottles can. Wine bottles are not intended for, for uh, pressure, so I would not look at that. Champagne bottles are intended for pressure, so just know what kind of bottle you're using. But you do have to, if you want to back sweeten, stabilize in some manner, unless you've capped out your yeast, in which case, there's that. So, um, yeah. I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Uh, let me know what you think. Did you like me going through some of these? Do you want to hear a specific topic uh, about me making? I would love to chat with you guys. Um, I have lots of plans for future videos and things like that, but this was one I just wanted to put together. So I hope you guys will tune in for some future videos. I'll see you next time. And um, thanks for tuning in. Cheers.